Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. It has been a very interesting few weeks. It has been a very, very interesting few weeks uh, in the world of the New England Revolution on and off the field. Uh, And off the field, they've made some very, very interesting contract extensions, re-signing Latif Blessing, Dave Romney, and Andrew Farrell. I'm Greg Johnstone, here to talk to me about all of the things going on in the world of the New England Revolution, uh, is Tanner Rebello. Tanner, how are you doing? Doing great, Greg. You know, this is a fast and furious time right now for the revolution. Um, so I'm excited. After kind of a lull of an offseason, uh, it's finally nice to be talking about soccer. Fast and furious offseason for people on the field and in the press box, uh, I would say. Uh, a lot changing. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about that later towards the end of the podcast. That's called a tease. Uh, but uh, let's get to the revolution and this roster and how it's shaping up. And before we do that, we want to just briefly say the Rebellion, our, our partners over at the Rebellion are launching their Bury a Goal, Bury a Pine initiative, uh, which they did last year as well. They are looking for donations with One Tree Planted, uh, a Vermont-based organization dedicated to helping the rural reforestation uh, of trees, both locally and globally. Uh, please go to nerebellion.org to learn more about this. And if you would like to donate to that organization and while you're there, learn about supporter culture and how you can become a member for getting a season membership for the rebellion in 2023. Tanner, I'm already getting tongue twisted. With that out of the way, let's talk about these contract extensions. Latif Blessing, Dave Romney, Andrew Farrell. Very, very interesting deals because all of them are going to be, be be made as TAM players. All of them have been extended with TAM. While this doesn't strengthen the team in 2023, this strikes me as moves that are going to give the Revolution team control. All of them signed through... Uh, have team control through 2025. Andrew Farrell has a 2023 contract and team options for 24 and 2025. Dave Romney, uh, I believe, had a contract extension and a one-year option for, for 2024. He now has a team option for 2025. And Latif Blessing, we don't know about his um, contract, but uh, he also, I, I believe his contract is guaranteed through 2024 and has a team option for 2025. And as I said, TAM was used in all three of these transactions. Tanner, uh, what's your reaction to these signings? You know, it's a good piece of business by the revolution. I think, you know, bringing back Andrew Farrell and ensuring he's here for the long haul is an important part. Um, you know, this is you know, one of the franchise cornerstones at center back, you know, 11th season coming up. Um, so great signing there. Uh, Romney as well and Latif Blessing, you brought them in via trade. So it just made sense to extend them, right, to really increase your return on investment there in that trade. Uh, Blessing and Romney were both on the same deal um, in terms of a two years and then one additional team option on the back end. So I, I think this really does shore up things long term. You have stable MLS veterans the long haul in these three players um the one question i do bring up is really the center back position and you know right now they're committed long term to dave romney and andrew farrell and i ask how about henry kessler yeah we talked about that a little bit last podcast and said is henry kessler in a contract extension year is this a contract year for him um is he being demoted is andrew farrell the odd man out um some people are, are speculating that they might be going to a three-man back line or maybe doing a five-man back line with jones and by as wingbacks um it's very interesting it's very very interesting that they i mean i think it was very important for them to bring in dave romney but to re-sign him certainly seems like a little bit of a commitment and re-signing andrew farrell also looks like a bit of a, a commitment as well so i i agree with all of those things before we we move on to kind of the 
the future of the center back position, which I know we'll get to, um, I do want to point out a couple of things. One, uh, and Seth Maycomer of the Bent Musket uh, let me know of this nugget, so I want to give him full credit. But uh, Andrew Farrell's contract status, we've said on this podcast before, we didn't know his contract status. Uh, he did have a team option for 2024. So his contract extension, th- that was the first one announced. Uh, really, it's not really an extension because his guaranteed contract still ends this year. He still has a team option for 2024, and he's getting a team option for 2025. So this business here that the Revs are doing, they're basically adding on a year of team control. And when you use TAM, you can only use TAM in situations when players go above the maximum salary charge. I understand this is nerdy roster rule stuff, but hear me out, guys. Um, so the, I believe the the maximum salary before you can use TAM is like six, twelve, five hundred, some somewhere around there. And last year, Andrew Farrell made four hundred twenty-five thousand in salary, uh, four four three seven fifty in total compensation. So he's getting a very good raise. He's getting a raise of uh, a little under two hundred thousand dollars at least. And a lot of people listening to this podcast might say, "Well, why would you give Andrew Farrell that big of a raise? Why would you give him a fifty percent raise, especially coming off of a season where he's conceded four penalty kicks? Um, was not his best season." by far in a, in a revolution Jersey. And also he, he's a bit of an aging player. We've talked about upgrading the center back space. Why, why would you give Andrew Farrell a race? Well, one thing, th- this I think is brilliant roster rules, manipulation. I shouldn't say manipulation, but I'll, I'll call it a loophole. When you sign someone to a contract extension um, and you can use TAM, you can apply allocation money for up to half of that salary. So the revolution here, let's take Andrew Farrell's case, as I just said. Let's say they boosted his salary from 425 to, let's say, the, the TAM minimum, which is 612500 Or let's just, let's call it 620 so the numbers are kind of even. You can use allocation money for half of his salary. So what that means is you can put $310,000 towards his salary and buy his cap hit down to 310000 So essentially what they've done is they're taking allocation money that they may not use because Brian Bellello said on Twitter earlier this year they have a million dollars in TAM that they are looking to spend. You apply, apply 300000 310000 allocation money to Andrew Farrell, and you've just created $100,000 worth of cap space, essentially. Same thing with um, Romney. Same thing with Blessing. I think in all of these cases, these guys were making four hundred to four hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in salary. Latif Blessing was at four hundred thousand last year. Dave Romney was at four seventy-five. So I, I think when salary numbers come out, we're going to have all these guys making in the low six hundreds, and that might seem like not much of a bargain. But when those numbers come out, remember the the revs are probably using TAM to increase the amount of cap space that they have here. So this is a very nerdy long-winded kind of MLS roster rule thing that they're doing. But I think the Revs did a a really great job here taking players that they project to be in their future in the, you know, with the team in the near future, and they're increasing their years of control and they're creating cap space in the near term. The negative here, and we'll get to this in a little bit, is that it seems like the Revs don't have a use for that TAM and they're using this because they don't have anywhere else to go. And that might tip the hand that, they might be done, at least with uh, big name players, at least with players making the $600,000 salary. They, that might not be be happening. They might make a little, little additions, but it seems like they have some TAM that they got to use or lose. And, and this is a way that they're going to be using it. So I just wanted to kind of get into that kind of um, 
long-winded explanation of why I think this is very smart for the revs and, and why, you know, quote-unquote overpaying these players um, is actually wise and it creates some cap space. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, Greg. I think that's probably likely what they're doing here um, overall using TAM. And yeah, they're creating additional years of team control, but there really isn't a long-term commitment to all three players, right? Um, so good on them, good piece of business. Uh, but like you said, brings up the question of, if they're going to make another big move um, or will they have the flexibility to make that kind of move? Probably not now, but talking about even the summer transfer, getting way ahead of myself here. But um, I think it sort of points to the fact that they think this team is pretty well set at this point. I, I also, I, I think I threw out a ton of numbers and I, I might've misspoken and I'll go check and make sure I didn't just uh, in editing. I'll make sure I didn't misspeak, but Andrew Farrell, his current contract situation is he's a one-year contract for 2023 with team options for 2024 and 2025 Latif blessing and Dave Romney have a two-year guaranteed contract through 2024 with a club option for 2025. Um, but with that said, I want to kick it back to you here for a second, Tanner. Are you concerned about Henry Kessler's spot on the roster? Maybe long-term because it, I guess with with Farrell, this isn't necessarily a long term commitment. He's still in a contract year, and the the Revs can opt to boot him uh, at the end of this year if they wanted. But um, you know, what does the future of this center back position look like? And do you think it involves Henry Kessler? You know, that's something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. You know, Kessler was only twenty four years old, um, had a rough season last year, but then again, kind of Farrell did as well. I think if you look at this, they improved their center back group immensely by bringing in Dave Romney and. You know, you can have some comfort now that you have three starting caliber center backs on your roster. Um, and that gives you a lot more flexibility, not just in MLS games, but also in non MLS games like Leagues Cup. Um, so I think it's really going to be a competition at the center back position. You could play three out there and you could play by and Jones out wide. And that's kind of maybe what I'm thinking because. Dave Romney brought him in here to be a starter. Andrew Farrell's a starter. And it's hard to imagine that Henry Custer is going to be on your bench. So, yeah, you don't necessarily are committed to any of these players long, long term. Um, and this right, you're right in saying that Andrew Farrell's still going to be in a contract here technically. Um, but I had imagined they're going to go three at center back. If you just think about it and think about these players, like Dave Romney is not going to be on the bench. Andrew Farrell's not going to be on the bench. And Henry Custer probably won't be on the bench. So, I think we're going to th- see three center back. I think it'd be surprising if they didn't go there. I, I agree a hundred percent with everything you just said there too. And if you think about it too, you look at Omar Gonzalez, he's also making a pretty good chunk of change. He's 425 salary, 450 total compensation. I'm surprised the revs have not used an off season buyout clause on Omar Gonzalez. That would also create some cap space for him because you can buy out a player. Uh, it doesn't have to be mutual. You can use the off season buyout clause uh, and it won't count against the cap going into the following season. I'm surprised they have not used that on Omar Gonzalez yet, uh, and but they've done these other methods to create cap space. So um, that, that's one reason why I think they might be going to a three man backline because Sean and I talked about this a little bit last year when Omar Gonzalez signed. He's really fit at this stage for a, a five man backline or a three man backline with two two attacking wingbacks. Um, so I, the, f- the fact that he's still there as well makes me wonder if they're keeping him for depth and, and the three-man back line might be a thing. But we'll see. Time will tell. 
Um, I do also want to note one more thing about Andrew Farrell before he signed his contract extension, um, quote unquote, again, it's not really an extension, but you get my point. Um, Tom Quinlan uh, of WPRO said that Andrew Farrell was attracting trade interest uh, from other teams uh, and Bruce Arena instead decided to give him a raise uh, and get another year of team control for him. So I um, just want to note that as well. Um, Tanner, with all, all that being said, um, what are your thoughts about uh, so far this preseason? And, and do you still think this team has some needs on the roster? I'm not totally sure there's going to be many more additions. Uh, so how do you feel right now? And do you think there are still some needs on this roster? You know, I think all the major concerns were sort of solved. The biggest needs coming in, and I think we've talked about this on an earlier podcast, was really the midfield um and then also at center back, and they solve both of those by bringing in Latif Blessing and then Dave Romney. So I think if you look at this team versus last year, they're in a better position. Uh, health was a big issue last year. Dylan Barrero, Gustavo Bo, Giacomo Veroni all dealt with injury. They're going to have those players back. Theoretically, they're going to be healthier than last year. So I think this is one of those teams going in that you just see how it turns out. Um, and then you reassess going into the summer transfer window. I think if you look at this team right now, they're better than they were last year at this point. Um, and they have some really young players as well that are exciting potential. Um, so I don't think there's any need right now that stands out to me. But once we start seeing them play in late February, we'll have a better idea. And I also think that this might be a situation where the Rebs in the summer transfer windows the past couple of years have been rough. But I, I am looking at this and I'm, I'm not so sure we're going to see a move soon, but I could certainly see something opening up towards the end of the year. And part of the reason I say that is because it has been reported that Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo are currently seeking green cards. And that would be a major, major, major um, plus for the revolution. And that would open up a green card. We talked about this a little bit last episode. It went back and forth. Long summary, the Revs have uh, no international slots open right now. They could put Maciel on season-ending injury list and open one up. Um, and, of course, they could also trade for an international roster speed. But as of right now, they don't have a, an international roster slot. So I think if Carlos Hill and um, Gustavo Bo were able to obtain international slots, um, that might pave the path for a pretty solid international acquisition when the international window when the international season is closed and the summer window opens so um i don't know it's very very interesting to see how this um all unfolds i, I do want to say too before i forget we didn't mention this on the last podcast um sean and i talked about the chances ima botang coming back and we were very very skeptical about that and then the next day it came out that ima botang is in camp uh with the new england revolution so um yeah i think we gave it a 10 percent chance that he resigns uh i would obviously say it's a lot higher i think that would be a great signing if you he, he came back and the revs worked out something uh but anyway i digress so um yeah tanner any thoughts before i move on yeah i think bruce listens to the podcast and he immediately called a pick up the phone called ima botang and said come on in the amount of times we talk about something on the podcast and then the next day, either the exact opposite happens or something changes drastically is very high. And so did Bruce call him a Botang and have him out at practice one or two days later just to make us look bad? I'm going to say, yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Um, Tanner, 
One more thing that we got to talk about here is some recent call-up to the national team. Uh, Dewan Jones getting his call-up to the United States men's national team. George Petrovic uh, getting called up by Serbia. And Dylan Barrero getting called up by Colombia. What are your thoughts on these call-ups? Uh, I know that some people think that these are um, not exactly A-team call-ups. Uh, these don't mean a ton. Uh, but for me, I, I think it's very encouraging for all three of these players. Uh, what are your thoughts on these call-ups? Yeah, the January window usually is one where you test out and you expand your sort of pool of players and give other players opportunities. Uh, I think, you know, for Dewan, this is an important opportunity for him. I think you've seen he's one of the best outside backs in Major League Soccer. And, you know, this is sort of the shot right now. Uh, it's to prove. And obviously, Greg Berhalter is no longer the coach. So you're going to have a different opportunity here to impress. He's obviously not a full time coach yet at the national team, but still a new coach. You never know. Might get a different look. Petrovic, one of the best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer, um, and I fully expect them to be starting big games for his national team in the course of his career. So it's exciting to see that. Uh, Barrero, a little bit of a surprise for me personally, um, especially end of last year, wasn't exactly um, in top shape. Um, but again, young player. Uh, so not exactly shocked by either of these players. Uh, I think you know maybe Henry Kessler would have been an option, but I think that kind of shows you know, being injured and taking that step back last year. The reason why he's not on the team. Yeah. And I think for Dewan Jones too, I'm hoping he has a really, really good camp. Um, and I think too, at his age, I think he's 25, 26 at this stage. Um, you know, it's tough to kind of get involved with the team at that age in a World Cup cycle. I feel like it's going to be a lot more younger players. I'm not to so shocked about Barrero or Petrovic, uh, but Dewan Jones, I think, is someone that really has been overlooked in these camps. And I really feel like going in, having a good camp, these might be one of his final chances, unfortunately. Um, you know, without moving over to Europe, um, you know, it, it just seems like he's a, a wasted potential that really could add something to the United States uh, national team. So I'm hoping that he goes in, he has a great camp. It's not a great thing that whoever is going to be the next head coach is not there. Uh, whoever uh, the United States decides to hire um, and brings in might not have any plans for Dewan Jones, and maybe this camp means nothing. Um, but uh, I'm really hopeful that he is able to get a lot more involved with the United States in this next cycle um, overall. Uh, one more note, too, here that we need to talk about, and I am not going to pronounce the last name correctly at all. And I will have to figure it out eventually, but the revs did make one more signing in homegrown signing, uh, Jack Pentiao. Um, I, I, am going to call him Jack P for the sake of the listeners at home. Uh, he had an amazing season in George at Georgetown last year. Uh, he was also on the, uh, team that won the MLS next pro, uh, uh, Academy championship. I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but, um, he is the kind of, third leg of the trio of Nolbuck, Esmir, uh, and Jack P to be signed with the revolution uh, and added to the roster. Um, the supplemental roster is still crowded. By my count, there is 11 people on the supplemental roster too. So the Revs will either have to move on from someone or move someone to um, the supplemental or, or the season ending injury list, or they'll have to move someone to the senior uh, roster. Uh, so I'm sure there will be a corresponding move before the beginning of the season. Uh, but overall, uh, Tanner, what are your thoughts on uh, Jack P's signing with the New England Revolution? You know, this is a player that when I first saw at Gillette Stadium for Revs 2, um, it was me and probably 50 other people in the stadium. <laughs> but, you know, instantly on the when he's on the field, you just notice. Like, this is a player with skill on the ball, can put pressure on the back line, can score goals. Um, he's the best young player I've seen in the revolution system, P 
period. Um, above and beyond anything else. I think Eshmer obviously is a great talent. I think Noel has great talent as well, but I, I really do think that Jack P is, has immense potential. Um, we saw it with Revs too. And, you know, obviously at Georgetown had success there and comes back to this team. Um, and I, I think has the ability to ha- be an impact. Um, I'm not saying this year, right at the MLS level, but uh, this is a really talented young player. Um, you know, it is great to see that the Academy is starting to really put out top talent. Um, and I think you're going to start to see these players contribute at the major league soccer level. Cause we've seen in the past, these players end up not panning out um, or they're not given the opportunity to grow. And I think we're starting to see that there's really a, a turning of the tide here for the revolution. Um, and I think it's critical for them to get to that next level is developing homegrown talent, having success with homegrown talent, and then in the future, selling homegrown talent for a profit. Um, and I think we're starting to see the start of that. Yeah. And what's going to be interesting is how do you play Buck and Esmir and Jack? How do you develop these guys all at the same time and create minutes for all three of them? It's going to be hard enough getting one of them involved uh, with the team and transitioning them to the first team. Um, you really have a goldmine of youth potential here, and you got to make sure you hit on it. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what the Revolution do. I know Nobuck was talking about, um, was in negotiations with Spurs about either a loan or a transfer. Or a tra- uh, actually, sorry, I, I, let me take a step back. I believe it was just a trial. I believe he was on a trial for Spurs. Um, and I, I also know too that I believe Esmir was training um, over in the Netherlands, I believe, um, and, and was kind of over there training with the team. So I wonder if the Revs are open to loaning these players and getting them experience in Europe uh, before they are ready for the first team. I wonder if they are looking to sell and maybe get some sell-on percentages uh, along with it in case they ever match their full potential. Um, either way, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen right now, and they all seem to be attacking midfielders or, or midfielders with high potentials. Um, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see Kurt Anolfo and the revolution transition these guys from revs to, um, to the senior roster. Uh, but with all that being said, uh, I think you're absolutely right about Jack and I, I, Jack P and, and, you know, I, I think it's possible he has the highest ceiling out of all of them. I think Esmir has a high ceiling too, um, but he, he has a phenomenal season at Georgetown, uh, and it's a very that's a, a very good college program. Not a lot of people just walk into Georgetown and make an impact on the field. Uh, so it's very very exciting for the Revolution. If they get everything right, it's going to be a very exciting couple of two three years for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth noting that Jack P is a year older than Ashmir and Noel, so that. You know, being 18 versus 17 does have an impact at that age. Um, but, you know, you can tell that there's immense potential. So, Absolutely. Um, one more note I have here. Leagues Cup announced their draw for the summer uh, and their inaugural year where all of the team uh, teams from Mexico and the United States, or, or I should say MLS, uh, are participating. Uh, do you have any thoughts about the draw or le- the Leagues Cup format slash competition in general? Obviously, this is a way for Major League Soccer and its partners to generate income and generate excitement in the middle of the regular season. Uh, they're stopping the season to do these matches. I think it's interesting, right? It's that World Cup-style format. Um, I'm just not that excited about it, if that makes sense. I'm more excited about you know the US, U.S. Open Cup. Um, there's just something that's lacking for me right now with League's Cup. And I don't know, maybe it's you're feeling the same or maybe fans are feeling it too. Um, but I just... Not buying into it yet. Yeah, and I do think this is a competition that I think the Revs should utilize their youth and get them a lot of experience. I, I think this is something that you got to rotate 
these young guys. And I, I think if you didn't have um, the the trio that I just mentioned, and, and also, by the way, Damian Rivera, too, that's another player you've got to develop. Um, I think if you don't have these guys that – it's a little bit easier to maybe just roll out your first team or, or play to win. But, you know, U.S. Open Cup, you can be out in one or two rounds. And that's that, there's really not a lot of development happening over 180 minutes. So I, I at the very least, I see this as an opportunity for the Revs to um, develop uh, some players and develop some talent. Uh, and I don't know. It, it's I'm not super jazzed about this uh, competition, but at the very least, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see different lineups uh, and how each team approaches it. Um, and I, I think if Bruce Arena comes out and plays his first team and we don't see the youth, it'll be a little disappointing because I can't say I'm, I'm too excited about, you know, or, or too invested in League's Cup 2023. But let's get to one more note here, Tanner. Um, and this kind of involves the landscape of revolution media. Well, not just revolution media, MLS media all the way across the board. Um, Vox Media announced they are pulling out of their MLS coverage and they are no longer supporting SB Nation sites. Uh, and that includes our partners over at the Bent Musket. Um, that's a pretty rough blow, I think, for MLS coverage nationwide. Um, you know, for a long time, I think SB Nation sites were maybe not in some markets, I would say the leading um contributors to MLS coverage, uh, but in, in almost every single market, uh, they had a very, very big footprint uh, and they had a very, very big impact in growing MLS uh, in the, the MLS 1.0 days up until current day, really. Uh, so Vox saying they are no longer supporting these websites and, and the language is a bit odd. Uh, it's a bit weird. Um, certainly a, a big blow to MLS coverage. And it comes at a time when everything is transitioning over to the Apple TV deal, which we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, Tanner. And um, it's it's not a good time for for less outlets to be covering the team. So uh, Tanner, what are your thoughts about Vox media pulling out uh, and, and thoughts about this in general? You know, it, it's certainly sad to see. I think if you look at Vox or even just, you know, the bent musket specifically, they had the most people writing on the revolution. They put out probably the most content out of any outlet. And that's similar to every other market that these websites were operating. And they typically were putting out some of the best content and some of the most content with the most people. And, you know, had true buy-in of the fan base. Uh, so it, it's definitely sad to see. And whenever you see a contraction of soccer media, and I feel like it's every couple months now or, you know, every year we kind of feel like this big change and shift and it's getting smaller and smaller at a time where it should be getting larger and larger theoretically, right? Like if you're talking about a sport that's supposed to be growing, um, it feels like the media landscape isn't growing. And especially with the contraction here of the the Apple TV deal. And obviously we had the debate and I talked about how it's, you know, essentially it's a, it's a league run operation. So you're going to have less independence when it comes to TV, you're going to have more league. I want to call it puppets. That might be a little strong of a word, but you know, league paid people on these broadcasts, obviously you look at some of the bigger personalities um, in soccer media right now with a lot of it's MLSsoccer.com and they're great. Don't get me wrong, but they're league funded. Uh, you have a lot of team reporters. So there's, a real lack of independent outlets right now that are covering these teams, especially the revolution and the major outlets that do cover them aren't covering them at the level they should be. Um, so it's really, really sad to me to see it. You know, I'm sure that some of these writers and some of these outlets are going to come up with new things and maybe they'll be better than ever. But, you know, it, it certainly was a sad day for soccer in general. And you might say it's just bad for independent soccer media, but it, I think it generally is bad for the sport. Like, I really do think it is bad for the sport to see less independent soccer media because it's going to be less accountability, 
put on the teams in the organization. So it, it was pretty terrifying, honestly, to see. I don't think we're exactly shocked that Vox Media isn't running a top ship operation, but um, you know, it feels like there's body blow after body blow right now for uh, soccer media. And, you know, I went to a couple of games last year. It was my first time back in the press box since uh, uh, 2017 or 2018 or something. And, and COVID kind of screwed that all up. So I, I made my return back to the press box for a couple of games last year. And I ran to Frank DeLapa and he was shocked. It, it was the weekend of the media game, by the way. And so a lot of us who normally aren't in the press box were there. And so I, I went and he said, so, did something happen? I haven't seen this many people in the press box in you know how, however long. You know, no one's here anymore. Uh, and it's it's true. The the when I started covering the the team for New England Soccer Today, and I was just doing game recaps, you had three or four independent websites with a couple of writers, a couple of you know opinion columnists that were writing about the revolution, and it was it seemed like there were a bunch of different groups and really it's just a handful of us now. It's, it's really shrinking. Um, and I, I saw a tweet by uh, soccer rabbi at soccer rabbi um, who I, I'm not familiar with. I don't know, but he's got a good tweet and I, I want to just convey it to our listeners. Cause I think this is really kind of emphasizing the point. A lot of, a lot of MLS press boxes years will have no broadcasters. They'll be remote, no dedicated insight reporters, uh, SB Nation is, bad, is dead, and some won't have a local paper or local news crew either. Will anyone at all be in the press box? And I, I think that's a real concern. I, I think with Apple TV and everything going national, um, you know, LAFC is going to get their coverage. The Galaxy is going to get their coverage. Atlanta United is getting the coverage. Miami's getting their coverage. The New York teams will get their coverage. The other high up teams will get the coverage. But, you know, if you're a Vancouver Whitecaps fan, how, how much MLS coverage is there and how much are you going to have to pay for it? If you are a Minnesota United fan, how much MLS coverage is there and how much are you going to have to pay for it? And I think the revs are in the same boat where they really don't have a good local foothold in, in media. There are a handful of outlets that do cover the team. Uh, you know, there are guys that I think deserve some credit and they work for the, the legacy media. I think Sarge at 98.5 does a good job covering the team. I think Dan Roach has been a, a friend of the revolution. Um, and then, you know, obviously Frank Delap of the, the Boston Globe, Hayne Bird, they do a great job. Rich Thompson of the Boston Herald does a great job, but all those guys have, have other responsibilities and other jobs and, and they're not soccer focused. They're not hundred percent soccer focused and legacy media really isn't all in on soccer and, and they aren't all in on MLS. So, it's a real concern because I think independent media over time has just really shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And uh, I'm very concerned that there's really not going to be anyone to fill that gap. And it, it's a, a major concern. And SB Nation pulling the plug is really symbolic. And I, I would really shudder for the day where Apple TV has maybe a beat reporter, quote unquote, that works for Apple TV and they're covering five different teams and you can only access their writing if you have an Apple TV subscription or something like that. Uh, I, I just, I really think that this is going in a bad direction and I really don't think it's good for the sport overall. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's just, it's rough. <laughs> I think honestly the, the outlook right now and um, you know, as one of those lone independent media that's covering the team, like there really isn't much of us and you know, it, there isn't a ton of money in it. Right do a lot of a lot of it's out of passion a lot of the people that are on the beat um right now like there isn't one full-time person that covers the new England revolution and makes a living off of it and it's it's in and, and round mls is very few of that in general too like it's not just this team is a lot 
of that going on, unfortunately. Um, so it's, it's definitely sad. And, and if you cover the teams, I mean, you're probably losing money, let alone time, you know, um, you know, but it, it's, it's, really hard. And I think a lot of people are driven by the passion for the game. And I feel like there's a cycle where a 20 something comes in, covers the team, spends their weekends covering this team, feds this team, following the team week in, week out, writing, 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 writing. And then they hit a point where, you know, maybe they have a kid, maybe they have, you know, a life change, maybe they move, maybe they have a job upgrade. And, and, and I mean, I've gone through a lot of these things. I've gotten, you know, promoted and had a kid in the past year. Um, and I, I don't have as much time as I used to, and it's challenging to keep going. It really is. And um, I think for a long time, there was always another 20-something that could reach out to SB Nation and, you know, sign up and and kind of get their feet wet. And in, in some ways, too, like these websites were a stepping stone. And you look at someone like John Siegel, who used to cover the Revs, he's moved on to MLSsoccer.com. And uh, I, I think that there's always a big opportunity for kind of younger journalists to kind of come in and get their feet wet. Um, and, and these outlets are kind of taking away a lot of opportunity and it's just very disappointing to see. You hit the nail on the head there, I think, in terms of that opportunity, like SB Nation was one of those programs, a young writer in college or maybe didn't have a journalism degree could go and get that experience. And I think without it, there's going to be a real lack of opportunity for those young 20 somethings to do it. Like I created my own website. I started it from scratch. Like I launched it to get that opportunity. I created it myself, but not everyone has that same ambition or the funds or the technical expertise to do it. Um, but I, I think like for anyone that is considering doing this, right. Who has any interest in doing it, like create a free blog or free whatever, and just do the work um, if you want to do it. But at the end of the day, it's very, very difficult. You have to be committed and you have to, sort of have low expectations in terms of readership and eventual, you know, income. Yeah. But I think it shows a lot about the sport, right? If you think about 2026 and we all say this is going to be a launching pad for the sport in this country and we see all this expansion um, in terms of USL and MLS and the Apple TV deal and all these different things. But it's really just these major companies are not putting money in their soccer reporting. They're not putting money in their soccer programming. And in terms of at the, the you know the domestic level, they're sure they're really interested in European soccer, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of funding coming into the leagues that are actually here. And you know that's the real disgusting part here too is that these websites don't cost a lot to Vox. I mean these aren't these aren't websites that are are major expenses, and it, it's really just disappointing that they aren't funding the site. And I mean, Minton doesn't make, you know, he's got a day job. You know what I mean? He, he kind of spends, you know, I think they gave him a very small stipend. Um, and, and I think he's the only person at the bent musket that's paid. Uh, everyone else is, is basically just volunteer writers. And I mean, until we had a Patreon, we didn't make a dime, uh, covering this team. Um, and, and Tanner, I know you got a Substack now until you made a Substack, I'm sure you didn't make a dime covering the team. Um, you know, these writers really are, are doing this for the love of the game and, um, you know, it's, it's disappointing that this bare minimum support from Vox is, is going away. And I think it's going to have consequences, maybe not in LA and maybe not in terms of the bottom line for, for these teams. Cause I know, uh, Apple TV is going to be funding the, the teams, but, um, it, it's just disappointing to, to see one more outlet go down. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. It should be noted too, that, uh, Brian Bellello, 
uh, did tweet at Sam Minton saying that they would be willing to work. The team would be willing to work with the bent musket um, in terms of whatever they plan to do next. Uh, and I should also say that I don't think the bent musket is going away permanently. Um, I, I don't want to get too heavy in conversations because I am a contributor to the bent musket, full disclosure. Um, and, and I know a lot of things are, there's a lot of moving pieces, um, but I don't think they're going away quietly. And I think they're going to try to be involved with the revolution in some way, um, at least in the short term. Um, and I know Sam Minton uh, has, uh, and, and the bent musket uh, reporters are um, selling t-shirts right now. And that might be going towards funding the, the site for the future or whatever site they have. Uh, they are currently selling t-shirts and hoodies. Uh, so if you go on social media to Sam Minton and Seth McComer's um, uh, website, uh, or if you go to our Twitter page, um, they, you can find the link to um, the Bent Musket uh, selling t-shirts and, and hoodies. So uh, go check that out if you want to support them in, in whatever they do next. So um, Tanner, any, anything else on Vox, the Bent Musket, independent media? I don't know. I mean, I, I could talk for two or three hours <laughs> on, you know, just the hardship and, and, and all that. Actually, I will say one more thing and then I'll kick it over to you, Tanner, if you want to say, you know, we don't expect all of our listeners to pay for our Patreon. And, and you know, it's really not about the money for us. I mean, everything we put in the Patreon goes to, you know, funding our site and, and upgrading our equipment and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it, it one thing that I, I say every podcast is to rate and review. And I think for a lot of us, knowing that people listen and knowing that people read means a lot. And, um, you know, if you guys could honestly just give us a five-star review, not even a review, just give us a five-star rating on, on iTunes. It's going to make my day if we go up from 87 to 88. Or, you know, if you could give us a re- review on Spotify, it's going to make my day. So if you like what we do here, just and if you haven't given us a rating, just please do. Um, and, and, you know, there was a comment on Reddit the other day. Um, someone, I tweeted out something about the Andrew Farrell contract extension and someone on, on Reddit mentioned my tweet. And just the fact that someone saw my tweet and, and I told them something made my day. Um, and so, um, that, that's really, I think what keeps a lot of people going, just knowing that they're heard and that their people are enjoying their comment content, um, and, and the thank yous I get and every, every year, I think we get a DM or an email that says thank you or a, re- or a review. That's, that's really positive. Um, I, that, that just means the world. So if you haven't given us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, if you could do that, it would mean a lot. And, um, yeah, anyway, that's all I'm going to say. Tanner, anything else? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just to kind of reiterate that and expand a little bit, I think, you know, in general, like any subscriber to my Substack, free or paid, I appreciate any follow on Twitter. I appreciate like, you know, fans, I think are wondering, you know, how can they, what can they do to support, you know, obviously like I bought the t-shirt from the Bent Musket, but like not everyone can do that. Um, so it's just really, it's just follow. It's subscribe to whatever you can. Um, cause I, I do see it a lot, right. You see it on Twitter where people maybe complain about the lack of coverage and things like that. And I think, it really is important to just support um, local journalists like myself, support um, Tom Quinlan and those guys at WPRO, support the Ben Musket and anyone else that's trying to do it. Because there's a lot of small blogs that you see them, they do it for a couple months and they fall off. And I think it's important for fans to just support that. Um, it's simple as like or retweet um, or just a simple comment. You know, I, It really does go a long way because, yeah, like you said, like, the monetary thing really isn't there. Like my site, when I had it, it made enough money to cover the server costs. Um, and that was pretty much it. So, um, you know, we really do it out of the, the love of the game and trying to grow the game. And um, really any support goes a long way. And, and tell your friends, like 
tell people, you know, if you enjoy our show, ask them if they, they listen to Revolution Recap or if they read Trifecta Network or if they read The Bent Musket. I mean, our numbers, I mean, we've got a lot of listeners and it's grown to a point that I can't believe. But it's a it's still a, a, a very low percentage of the people that show up to the Revolution to Revolution games, game in and game out. I mean, we don't have a marketing budget and we really rely on social media and word of mouth. So, um, yeah, just those are ways to help out us. And to help out independent media and and to help the local journalists that are really covering the team, and it's it's really vital to keep independent journalism alive. So um, check out the 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 t-shirt and hoodies uh, that Bet Musket are, are selling, and um, hopefully hopefully um, they stay on. But we'll see. Tanner, we got something else media related to talk about. Um, actually, let's go into this um, ad read from Galasso Kits before I get um, annoyed. Colasso Kits, we want to thank them, our sponsor. Uh, their mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have Revs merch. They have United States men's national merch. For the first time ever, for the first time ever, guys, Providence City. There's a Providence City jersey at Colasso Kits. They've made it. Uh, so if you want a mint condition Providence City uh, Rogues jersey. Go check out GalassoKits.com. They actually, I, I checked out their unveiling video the last week, which they do every single week on Instagram. A really, really good crop of jerseys uh, and jackets. Um, some some really great kits. Uh, so um, I recommend you guys follow them on Instagram at GalassoKits. Uh, follow them on Twitter too at GalassoKits. But Instagram is where their weekly unboxing videos are. And you always want to watch those because there's always going to be two or three jerseys that are going to really sparkle. Um, and when you go to galassokits.com to make your purchase or to check out their other selection uh, and their full inventory, uh, you can use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. So go check out galassokits.com, follow them on Instagram, and then use promo code REVSRECAP at discount for 15% off of your purchase. Uh, links and codes are in the show notes. <clears throat> Tanner, I'm really tongue-tied today. <laughs> I, don't know what's, I don't know what's up with me. It's okay. Providence City FC jerseys, best in the business, in my opinion. First first one I've ever seen at Galasso Kits. I saw Boston City up there uh, before. That one that one's gone. Hopefully a, a listener is wearing that right now uh, and use promo code REVSRECAP uh, to buy that Boston City FC jersey. But I, I don't think that Providence City jersey is going to be there very long. It's a pretty nice shirt. It's a 2019 jersey for them. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, our friends... Over at um, New England Soccer Weekly had um, a very interesting opening to um, their their episode this weekend, and normally I wouldn't uh, ad- address it or I'd keep it private. But the fact that this was kind of put out there in the public, I feel like I got to kind of touch on it. And I think with the the Bent Musket news and the Vox news earlier, I, I kind of want to touch upon it too. But essentially, our friend Tom Quinlan and I, I consider Tom Quinlan a friend. Um, he he kind of went on a, a bit of a rant. Um, about how um, he's getting a little annoyed with Twitter. He's getting a little bit annoyed with Twitter journalists, I believe his, his comment was, and he's a little annoyed with people that sit behind a mic. I believe he said at one point he was annoyed with people that sit behind a mic and do a podcast, but they don't show up, they don't go down there, they don't interview coaches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but they're reporting on things on Twitch or they're, they're doing their podcast or whatever. And I don't know if, I, I don't think he meant to, to throw a shot at, me, it seemed like he was kind of talk, taking shots at people who um, do do shots at podcasts and aren't don't show up. But and and you know we're we're credentialed media, but you know for the most part I go to maybe one or two games a year. 
I, I, my day job does not, you know, allow me to go to midweek press conferences over Zoom. Um, I maybe ask Bruce Arena three or four questions a year. Um, so I, I, I don't think he was talking about me. Um, there are a few people that I, I do think he was talking about. But overall, I, I want to just kind of take a moment and um, respond to it. I'll let you respond to it first, though, Tanner. Tanner, did I, did I characterize that 20 minutes correctly? Or, or did you have anything to add that you wanted to, to throw out there? You know, I, I do. I like Tommy, um, and I would consider him a friend as well. You know, clearly is frustrated with a lot of things. Um, you know, the fact that he was off Twitter for like over a month or something like that. But I would just say that anyone that's covering the team, you know, it, it's great, right? Like you shouldn't be throwing shade at anyone that's covering the team at any level. And yeah, there's you know, Twitter journalism, but, you know, welcome to 2022, right? Like there's people that are going to be giving their opinions um, or they're going to be looking in the comments of, a player's post on Instagram to get a report. And I think that's just the reality. And I think honestly, the more coverage and more eyeballs and more people talking about the team and the sport, the better. Um, so like, I would not throw shade on this people. Not everyone's going to be cut out to be at the press conference. As Tommy is one of the best question askers I've ever seen covering the team. Um, you know, he really does push and ask for answers and holds the team accountable, holds Bruce accountable. Um, so respect the hell out of that, but not everyone is going to be in that lane. And I think that's fine, too. I don't think you have to go to the press conference to put together a report on the team or have an opinion on the team. Um, so I don't agree with this point on that at all. I think, you know, we should embrace different routes of coverage. Right. Um, so that's my thoughts on it in general. And, I, and that was well said. And, and as, as I say, I'm, I'm trying to characterize his points kind of quickly and, and, and try to boil 20 minutes down to a minute. So I don't I, this is going to be a really long episode. I apologize to everyone. But um I, I, I agree with everything you said, and I, I do want to say I think there are pockets of what he said that was correct. And if you if you don't listen to Tom Quinlan's podcast, you don't want to hear about Twitter drama, fast forward five or ten minutes. <laughs> but but there are pockets that he, he said, and, and that was – I think people don't understand how few people go to press conferences, Tanner. And I, I see people online say no one asks tough questions at the press conferences. And then, like, I've had conversations where people say that. And then I say, what would you ask? And they t more often than not, they ask me, they tell me a question that's been asked in the past couple of weeks. Um, it, 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 press conferences don't get a lot of play. Maybe on Twitter, maybe if Bruce Arena blows up or if there's a damning quote or whatever. But a lot of times Bruce Arena doesn't give anything in press conferences. But tough questions are being asked. And there are five people there at the press conference. It's usually Frank DeLapa. It's Rich Thompson. Sometimes it's Hayden Bird, Jeff Lemieux, Sam Minton, um, Jamie Rook. And Tom Quinlan. Those are usually the people there. Seth McComer is there when he's available. You're there um, a handful of times, Tanner. I don't know how, how often you go a lot. I know you used to go a lot. I used to go a lot, but then then my work from home ended, so I'm, I'm no longer there. Yeah, life happens. <laughs> yeah, I, life yeah. happens, right? We, we, yeah. This kind of buckles into everything we're talking about. But I, I, and, and I apologize if I'm missing anyone, but like it's single digits. I'm talking single digits number of people ask Bruce questions. And those people sometimes get heat for not asking tough enough questions from people that don't know what questions are being asked. And it's really annoying. And so I think for Tom, he's hit a point where he doesn't feel like he's getting recognized. And I, I think that role that Tom plays is very critical. It's very important. And I, I don't think he gets enough credit. But with that being said, I think what Tom is missing is that, and, and again, I don't think he's talking about people like me, but let's take, um, I'm going to go on the MLS Aces podcast later this week. Um, Tom Sweezy does that podcast. That's a MLS wide podcast. Um, but 
He's got a day job, but he's still here to grow the game. And I've been on MLS Gone Wild, which is an MLS-wide podcast, and, and they're there to grow the game. And I've gone on a handful of podcasts, and everyone – were same thing we talked about last segment. They're all here to grow the game, and they're all here trying to do what they can. And, you know, not a lot of people are going to be able to cover the team for no money – um, and, and have that time during the day when media availability is. And, and some of these press conferences, man, they're at noon and, and we get an email about it at nine. Like <laughs> it's, it, it, it's tough. It's tough. So I, I think Tom does a really thankless job and it seems like he's really burnt out on Twitter and, and he, it seems like he's, you know, kind of burnt out and, and that's true. Twitter sucks. Um, and I, I do think that there are people that go on Twitter and make up things, Right. I, I've seen some really outrageous stories, um, and, and I think there are some people that aren't journalists and don't get media passes, um, and, and there have been a couple of people that I've asked, why don't you get a media pass? Oh, I don't have the time. But, but there are some people that I think want to say they have sources and they know people and all that, and I, I think that's what he's, he's mad about. But with that being said, like, I'll name names. Cause I think there, there's one person, Caleb, if you're on Twitter, you know, Caleb Pongratz, um, like he, he's, he's reliable. He knows things like I've talked to him. I've talked to him in private. Um, you know, I, I think he doesn't exactly please everyone cause sometimes he teases news. Um, and I think some people get annoyed with it and whatever, uh, but he knows things and, and he's an aspiring journalist. And it seemed like Tom took a shot at Caleb and, you know, I don't love everything Caleb's ever tweeted or everything he's done, or he might've handled something wrong, but he's an aspiring journalist. And we talk about people, there's not enough young journalists coming in to carry MLS coverage. I think Tom taking a shot at him or or maybe, maybe it wasn't him, but I think that's an example of like, you you really should be inspiring people to create the coverage that they can. And I think sitting behind a mic here, you know, obviously it's easy for me to say that, but um, I don't know, a little disappointed. And I, I think, you know, we really got to encourage people to, to get out and provide as much coverage as they can. And, and maybe Twitter journalism isn't that great. I, I truthfully don't think that Twitter journalism is great. I think you really need to write for a website and you need to write for a uh, brand. But at the same thing, I, I'm not going to crap on anyone that makes a good faith effort to report. And, and again, I, I think Caleb was um, kind of caught in the crossfire there. I, I talked to Tom briefly about it um, and he said he wasn't referring to Caleb, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I know Caleb made a statement about it publicly. Again, this is Twitter drama. I'm sorry. I know a lot of our listeners aren't on Twitter. I, I think it's important to not take shots at, at aspiring journalists and people that want to contribute to covering the team. Yeah, and not everyone's like niche is asking the questions, right? Like some people's niche is analytics. Some people's niche is roster management. Or I think, you know, Seth, for example, ask really good questions too, but he also does some analytical breakdown tactical analysis, which I think is important too. So I think everyone can kind of have their role, right? Not everyone's going to be asking the really hard questions that Tom asks. Um, but I, I think it's clear to see that he's frustrated. Um, and honestly with Twitter, like it can get frustrating really easy. So, yeah. And, and, and with on the heel of the Vox news too, I, I think it, maybe that played into it too. And, and I don't know, it's, it's very confusing, but, um, yeah, I, I just I, I wish it was a little more positive. And, you know, as I say, there are journalists, you know, across the, the spectrum of the Revs world or, you know, across the country and whatever. And again, like you don't have to like everything they do, but I think just a, a general respect for um, covering whatever. I don't know. We should have a big tent. Yeah, we our tent should be big. It should be open. It should be diverse. Right. Like- yes. Now, and again, I, I'm not covering for people that make up things. I, I want to be very clear yes, about that. There are people agreed. that make up things 
and and I think that's what he's referring to, and he's talking about muddying the waters. And I and I, but I I think there needs to be a clear separation of people who want to get involved, and maybe being a Twitter account. There's a a Twitter account, MLS Network. Um, it, it's it's from one of the kids that's in the Revs Discord. I don't know his name. I apologize. Um, he's got like four thousand followers or five thousand followers. He's a great follow. He finds news from from everywhere across MLS, and I've learned things from his account. He's not able to go, you know, probably go down to Gillette Stadium to ask Bruce questions, but uh, you know that uh, media is changing, and I, I think it's important to really encourage people of all different levels. And with that being said, I, I think Tom is underappreciated. Yes. Absolutely. I do think Tom is underappreciated. I think I think Sam Minton is really underappreciated too. The the people that are on the ground is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and um the the people on the outside looking in are growing and growing and growing and um I I think as long as you're making a good hearted effort to increase MLS coverage, I I have no I have no issues with you. All right, let's hop into some listener questions, and we might have to go through these a little bit quick, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. First off, Paul Gerard, who won the week on the hashtag? It was a very interesting week uh, on Rev's Twitter between uh, Tom Quinlan's comments, uh, between Vox Media pulling the plug, and also some season ticket members uh, were not exactly happy. I think someone asked uh, Brian Bellello about a bus trip. Um, Bellello basically said that they are putting resources towards the, the uh, experience at home games, uh, which I think didn't really... Uh, rub people the right way. So, uh, Tanner, who, who do you think was the big winner on the hashtag this week? If you're like a New York Red Bulls fan or an opposing fan base that's kind of lurking in the hashtag, you had a great week. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you are just a neutral observer and you just love chaos, you had a great week on Twitter. Uh, and again, if you're a uh, if you don't listen to Twitter, boy, I don't know if I should encourage you to come on uh, Rev's Twitter or if I should discourage it. Um, it's, it's certainly been an interesting couple of days. It's a very different show than what I thought we were going to have on, on Thursday. Uh, Traeger Dorati asks us too, how do you think the Revs are investing in fan experience? He says, please provide evidence. This might be a little more speculative uh, than, than hard evidence. But um, Tanner, uh, talking about Brian Bellello's comments, I think it certainly shook people uh, a little bit the wrong way. Um, but w- what are your thoughts about the revolution investing in fan experience? I think they're lacking it. Um, you know, I think we've had another question that's like this too, where it's, you know, do you think the team's doing enough to build its fan experience and build its fan base um, and making the tent bigger, right? And reaching out to the community and connecting. And I think for the most part, you know, the revs need to just do more and do whatever they can to build that atmosphere. And it's, just t- it's tough, right? It's an established club. You know, it's been here since the beginning of Major League Soccer, and I think that's actually a disadvantage for them. I think if they were coming in now and launching now in New England, they can maybe get some more buzz and momentum and all of that. Um, but I think they really could use to increase their investment. I don't know if it's necessarily a bust. I think for season ticket holders, yeah, that's definitely rough. Um, but I think there needs to be overall more investment and more reaching out and more connecting with the community, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's tough to date because you talk about fan experience and, you know, it's tough to get a good fan experience at Gillette Stadium. Like, let's just, you know, let's just be honest. You know, you you can't – it's not a soccer stadium. It has a very different feel than a soccer stadium. So I don't know what he means exactly by that. Maybe there's going to be some cool stuff that pops up this year. But um, I think – I don't know. I, I, I don't know where the investments are going to be. Um, let's. I have another comment here from Emily because it's related. Season ticket holders are getting less each year with increasing prices. The away bus trip, one of the perks, was taken away in aims of enhancing home club experiences. As a club, what do you think they need to do to create an amazing fan atmosphere like some of the other clubs? And that's a, that's tough to add. Like, it, that's really tough. That's a really tough job yeah. <laughs> at Gillette Stadium. 
I, I do think the bus trips were a good idea. One, because I think it's, it's always great to have support on the road. And two, I think people like going to other stadiums. Um, I mean, I, I think people like road trips. I think like people like, um, you know, bonding together. It's not for everyone. Not everyone has the ability to drive a few hours to go to a, a game on the road uh, when you can just watch it at home easily. Um, but with that being said, I, I, I think that giving fans some perks, um, a, a bus trip, um, something. I, I mean, I, I, you really, I think, would have to talk to the Rebellion about what exactly they would want. Uh, and some people say, you know, you buy a ticket. That's it. You know, that's all you buy. You know, there's not really, you're not owed anything. And I kind of get that argument too. But, you know, I think for the Revolution, it soccer is getting harder and harder to access and to watch, at least Major League Soccer. And maybe in 2023, this isn't an issue. But I think in 24, 25, 26, um, the revolution in order to not just bring people in, but I think keep dedicated fans, um, you're, you're going to have to give something and incentivize people to coming to the stadium. And I think part of that is a better atmosphere uh, or maybe some sort of perks or, or some sort of incentive to get in the stadium. Now, what that is, that that's a tough one. That's above my pay grade. Um, and, and if I knew the answer to that, I would have, gra- I would have graduated with better grades from Bryant. Um, because it, it's, it's a very tough cookie to crack, crack at Gillette stadium. Yeah. You know, I think they have to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I think making it easier to get to Gillette stadium is important. I think they really need to put that train, the MBTA train, you have a station in your parking lot, run that train from Boston, make it easier, accessible, lower ticket prices. Like that's a thing too. I think their ticket prices are too high. You don't have great attendance, right? Like you do have some big games in the summer that do well, but as a whole, there's a lot of empty seats during these games. And why not lower your ticket prices? You know? And then if you look at the season ticket holders, yeah, they're giving them Apple TV this year. But it's $99 value. So it's I think there really needs to be an investment. But they need to make it easier to get to the games, right? If you're going to be at Gillette Stadium, you need to have easier transportation. I don't know. Is it a bus from Providence, right? Is it the train from Boston? You know, and just in general, like, I think the ticket prices are too high, too. Um, that's just my thought. Like if you look at um, on their website right now, I'm looking at if you want to be at the, in the fort, right? $474 for 17 games. That feels a bit high to me. Um, it's $27, a, $27 a game. Like I have province college Friars season tickets at the amp. I pay $13 a game and I'm getting way like, in my opinion, I'm getting a way better product. Um, so that's just my thinking. Like, I, I think, you know, tickets are too high. Um, it's hard to get to the game. I think the energy is mostly flat in that building because um, it's not meant for soccer. I just think there's a lot of things they have to do to just improve the product overall. And I, I don't know if I see it. You know, maybe they can reach out to me. Reach out. Emails are open. Tell me what you're doing to improve your fan experience to get more people to the games. Um, but it can't just be free tickets that to give away sometimes. Mm-hmm. And John Pilkington also says, how many free gifts should season ticket members receive? I mean, I, I do know they do their town hall. Um, I, I believe they get a discount on merchandise. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I think you can do priority merch and priority this or, or discounts on this. But uh, I, I don't know. I think in terms of increasing the fan experience, I think you need to build a community. 
And it, it's tough to do it when you have a team like the Revolution that have been around for 20-something years and, and the product is is what it is. And, you know, it missed the playoffs last year. I think it might be a little different uh, if, if they, they you know, had a, a dominant team and, and it was kind of attracting kind of casual fans and bringing it in and making it more of an intense atmosphere. Um, but I, I don't know. I... It's a very tough challenge, so I, I I think you're right. I think there are a lot of flaws. And, and one more thing we haven't talked about to Traeger, or, or sorry, Tanner, is, um, you know, Rhode Island FC is starting. Uh, Rhode Island FC is starting in 2024, I believe. So if that has a great fan atmosphere, does that pull people away from Gillette? Like, I, I don't know. That's to be seen. I, I don't know. I don't think a USL team will have a major, major impact on attendance numbers for MLS. Um, but it's it's very possible. It's very possible that a lot of people stop showing up and stop going to Foxborough and they go to the Pawtucket, it said. But uh, one more thing to Tanner before I move on. I'll give you last word, but just one more thing. Uh, it's always going to be the dunk. Uh, what did you call it? The Amica or whatever? It's the dunk, man. Yeah, the amp. Yeah, the amp. Look, I, I think I get great value on my tickets and I'm just, I'm looking at their prices right now and if I was a fan, I wouldn't pay them. <laughs> That's pretty blunt, but I, look, you know, I think it's a little bit high and, you know, clearly the atmosphere is not there, but I, I agree. I think, RIFC is going to have a great atmosphere. It's going to be a soccer-specific stadium. It's brand new. There's a lot of excitement towards it, um, and I think it's going to offer better value for fans. I do encourage everyone, though, if they have not been to a Major League Soccer game at Gillette, do it in the summer. It is a great time. <laughs> like I don't want to like completely bash it, um, but I, like, how do you even get people out if it's on Apple TV? Like that's a whole other thing, right? Like, how do you market to people that aren't watching your product? Because they don't want to pay for Apple TV. Uh, that's a very good point. Let's go to Sean Sweeney, uh, who, who asked a question: If the league sees a loss of eyes on their product due to Apple Plus, uh, how soon will the league pull the plug and give broadcasting power back to the individual clubs? Um, that's a good question, and we've mentioned our concerns too about Apple TV. I, I know we talked about it in our debate episode. Trigger, uh, oh man, Trigger asked a question that screwed me up. Tanner. Tanner, uh, I know we talked about it in our debate episode, and I, your opinion that you you expressed there, I think, were, were reflect your own views. Um, I know those debate episodes aren't necessarily our actual views, but I think you are very anti Apple Plus, and I, I think we both agree that um, there are going to be some hardships to this. Um, do you think that the league will pull out of their Apple TV deal and maybe go back to the way it was uh, if this goes face up? You want to know why they won't? Money. Two point five billion over 10 years the league unless there's a COVID-19 like thing that comes up and they're allowed to get out of their contract via clause I, I think they're both in it for the long haul for the next 10 years and yeah that debate episode that was pretty close to my real opinion on it I really do think it's going to completely kill whatever growth this league has um, and really basically make it in, ineffective to grow into the World Cup. And I really think like USL has an opportunity here, um, an immense opportunity. To, I'm not going to say championship going to surpass Major League Soccer, but it's going to have a real chance of at least catching up to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think money is the driver. It provides financial security for all these teams. Like I mentioned in that Apple TV uh, debate, go listen to it right now. By the way, Traeger, or, damn it. Tanner won. Um, I'd like to say I'm joking. I'm honestly unintentionally calling you Traeger every single time. Um, Traeger, I might have to ban Traeger from questions from here on out just so I call you Tanner. From, you're the correct name. You know what? Change change your Twitter name, Traeger, to Tanner. Traeger. To make it easier. When you, yeah. when you, next time you ask a question, please change your, your Twitter name to Tanner so I call you Tanner Dorati so I, I don't get my co-host's <laughs> name mixed up. Uh, 
Uh, no, I, I, it's it's going to provide a floor for these teams, and it's going to unless Apple TV, you know, goes flops and and goes bankrupt, which I, I can't imagine it happening. Uh, I think MLS is going to ride out this contract. What what happens beyond it is going to be very really interesting. It's going to be interesting if they have to transition back um, to individual teams. Um, I, I I would be very very concerned uh, if if it if it goes there. They're really counting on MLS exploding. Um, but w- one thing I will say too is that I was listening to Allocation Disorder a couple of weeks ago, and Sam Stachel of the Athletic more or less kind of spelled it out. And I'm not going to repeat the math here, but he kind of said like. Apple TV is paying this much amount of money. So to break even, you need X amount. And when he said the number, it was, I forget the number, but it was a very unrealistic number. And he's saying, where are all these people coming from? And, and consider that no season ticket members are paying for this. <laughs> and tying this into the last question, Tanner, not Traeger, Tanner, couldn't you see in two or three years, them pulling the plug on season ticket holders not having to, not giving them a subscription. I feel that's the domino to fall. And, and, and then we're talking about season ticket holders, not getting any benefits. I think teams might have to pay for it. And I think right now it's the league and it's, it's maybe that's in the Apple TV contract. I think that's, what's going to be pulled down the plug down the line. I think it it's a low cost right now, right. To give the season ticket holders that accessibility because it, it gives them the product. It's a perk right now, but it also, Maybe they like the product, maybe they hate it, but there's a chance they maybe renew once you actually take it away. But I, I personally, like, I probably want to give it to them. Um, and I know that sounds awful. And if you're a season ticket holder, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't have given it to the season ticket holders just because those are your sure bets of who's going to actually pay for this. Like, I don't know who else. Like, there'll be a lot of fans outside ticket holders that pay for this, but like, the total number is not going to be that big. Um, we know this league doesn't draw for national games. We know that the revolution weren't exactly lighting it up at WBZ. They did fine, but it wasn't like they were setting records, right? So I really question who's going to pay for this. I've always questioned that. I, I feel like MLS is really banking on Messi or Ronaldo to come to MLS and international subscriptions go off or gambling subscriptions go off. Or I, I don't know, but it, it's the math doesn't. I, until I didn't think of it in those terms, but until that episode of allocation disorder, the math didn't really work for me. So I'm really curious to see how this pans out. And it's it, they're locked in for ten years. So it's going to be interesting. I will say though, they they did announce their announcers uh, and their commentary teams. No Brad Feldman, no Charlie Davies. Um, outside of that, it seemed like most of the hires were really good. Uh, Taylor Twelman's in there. Brian Dunseth is in there. By the way, Brian Dunseth, we interviewed him a few years ago. Check out that interview uh, if you haven't already. Um, uh, most of the names were really good. Some names were omitted. I hope a few people uh, around the league, including Charlie Davies and Brad Feldman are added. Um, but um, overall I'm a little pro uh, Apple TV's coverage. It sounds a little bit better um, than what I initially thought. I thought they might kind of go with kind of celebrity, you know, bigger names in media, not necessarily MLS names, um, but it seems like they are going to be focused on covering soccer the right way. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the fact that the league is going to be managing it, I think the product itself has a chance to be very good. I think it has to be the chance to be better than your typical MLS match. I would say the one downside of having, you know, sort of those offset announcers is you're not going to have Charlie Davies and Brad Feldman watching 34 matches, right? It's going to be very difficult for these announcers to call games like the local announcers. You're really going to get that national feel to the game. Um, that being said, I agree with you. I think. All the hires were smart. 
I would like to see Brad and Charlie get the opportunity as well. But I also think there's something to be said where maybe you give young announcers that opportunity too and start to build that. Um, but yeah, I can't really disagree with specific hires. Uh, we did get a question here from Teal Forever, uh, and it kind of touches on something we, we talked about earlier. How may the Revs prioritize the non-MLS competitions? I personally am hoping to give the, uh, the Open Cup a real shot and play the reserve squad in the League Cup to hashtag play the kids. He also says, thank you for keeping Indie Soccer Media alive going in these trying times. Thank you very much, Teal Forever. Teal Forever, by the way, uh, signed up for Twitter to send us Twitter questions. Uh, and I, I feel very guilty that I dragged him onto Twitter uh, to to the hellscape that is uh, Twitter in general and also Rev's Twitter. But uh, really appreciate Teal Forever's support uh, over the years. Uh, Tanner, not Traeger, um, how do you think the Revs are going to prioritize the non-MLS competitions? We touched on it. What do you? What, we know what we would do. What do you think Bruce is going to do? I think Bruce will probably not prioritize either. <laughs> if that makes sense i'm looking you know think about the uh the league's cup and the fact that it's going to be in the middle of your season you're not going to have any league games going around it i think you'd probably use that opportunity to rest players like andrew Farrell, maybe carlos Hill, gustavo Bo, depending on where you're at health wise as well so i think it's just it's hard not to imagine it being a fairly young team u.s open cup as a soft spot in my heart the fact that it has so much history tied to the state of rhode island um, and I would love for the revolution to go for it. But I think you've sort of seen Bruce do a mixture of things in that. I think you're still going to see probably a reserve there, too. I I can't imagine Bruce prioritizing either of those two, given you would think his sole focus this season would be to put them in the best situation to win an MLS Cup. Uh, Jake Katnice, uh says, who do you think uh, goes further in their respective tournaments? The Revs in not Super League, a 3.0 Leagues Cup or Bryant in the America East? And uh, this question was asked before Bryant got their butts whooped uh, at UMass Lowell. Very disappointing loss from the Bryant Bulldogs today. Uh, I, I'm not confident in either, Tanner. Um, I, 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 I do not know. I do not know. Maybe, maybe even playing the kids in Leagues Cup. Uh, might go further than Bryant in the America East tournament. I'm very low on it right now. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll say the Revs. I think, I, you know, Revs are turning around this season. League Cup champion. Jared Grasso. <laughs> Five million. I, okay, I, Bryant's had a weird year. Um, you know, they dealt with a lot of sort of illness as well within their roster. Um, they're adjusting to a new league, new competition. Um, they're treading water right now. I can't rule them out on a run, though. They're a very talented team. Um, so I'm going to say Jared Grasso gets them over the edge in that, just because for Bryant, that's going to be a very important tournament in the League's Cup for the Revolution. Probably not that important. Mike Kennedy also says, how often should the Bryant, bas- uh, Bryant Bulldogs men's basketball coach give motivational uh, team talks instead of Bruce? Uh, I would love to see Jared Grasso uh, coach the Revolution for a game. Uh, I, I would absolutely love that. I don't think he'd understand any of the rules, but would he be entertaining? Absolutely, absolutely. And if you if you don't follow low level college, Division One college basketball, let me tell you something. If Jared Grasso is not coaching on the bench of the team you like, you are not a fan of him. Uh, you are not a fan of him at all. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'd say bring him in. I don't know three or four times a year, uh, but not too much because uh, as I say. Um, Got absolutely whooped by UMass Lowell today. So let's not rely too heavily on Jared Grasso. I would love to watch him just on the sideline. First half, he's in a full suit. Second half, he sweats out of the suit. He's in his polo shirt. You know, he's running up and down the field, crouched down to look at the goal. Like, he is a character to watch in college basketball. Um, Yeah, I would love to see Jared Grasso try to give a pep talk to the team. But um, 
I love to see Bruce try to do it in basketball too. I feel like Bruce could actually transition to like any other sport pretty easily, just like his demeanor. He coached lacrosse. He coached yeah. lacrosse. So you, you never know. Uh, he, he also yells at the refs enough. I feel like in basketball, half of coaching basketball <laughs> is just screaming at refs. But I'd be perfect. Uh, let, hey, let's talk about the refs on the field a little bit. Uh, Randy LH, uh, will we see more acquisitions before the season starts? And who are your early production? Early season predictions for breakout and busts. Um, and I, I kind of touched on this earlier. I can't imagine many big acquisitions at this stage. Um, and, and if you listen to our podcast at the end of last uh, season, when we kind of previewed the offseason, um, we kind of pictured maybe one or two big kind of TAM level signings. I guess we got Latif Blessing. I guess we got three TAM signings, technically, uh, in Farrell, uh, Romney, and Blessing. But really, we didn't get a major, major splash. I guess we got Blessing, but um, not a DP level player. We didn't see any major movement at the top of the roster, which I think we expected. I, I could see a few more little tweaks, uh, maybe an Ima Botang. I think maybe someone off the supplemental roster might be loaned or sent out uh, uh you know, on, on season ending injury list, like Maciel, I've speculated that I think five episodes in a row now. Um, so I, I could see a, um, you know, 20th, 19th man on the roster type of acquisition added, maybe a one year, 200,000, uh, type of signing for like Botang. And then maybe you add on another, you know, I don't want to say goalkeeper or a winger or something like that. I, I, I think you might see one or two smaller signings, uh, before the season starts. Yeah, I agree with that. 1000%. I think, they're done making big, big moves unless Bruce sees something, something shakes loose. But I, I would imagine they're pretty much set right now. And who are your early predictions for breakouts and busts? Uh, breakout, I'm going to say Bulma. I think he's going to break out, and I think a bust will be Bobby Wood. <laughs> is, is, <laughs> does, is Bobby Wood's expectations high enough that he'd be a bust? That's fair. <laughs> that is very fair. I mean, you know, theoretically, like... I'm just so curious, right, with Altador, is he actually going to be there? Because that kind of changes things, I think. But if Altador is not there, I think there's more pressure on Wood to perform. So mm, he's, he's the one I'm looking to bust, but... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little off the beaten path. I think I think Kessler is due for a big season. I think a lot of it is we don't know what he's gonna do um, with his contract. I think he's got competition for his spot now. He had a tough year last year. He he's kind of not played to the same level that I think we know he can play at. And I think he's gonna want to get into the United States men's national team discussion uh, going forward. So um, whether or not he's in a contract year, I don't know. But I think either way, there's motivation to kind of get back to that next level on the international stage. So um, I, I think we're going to see if he's healthy. I think Henry Kessler might be in for a pretty, pretty solid year overall. In terms of busts, it's it's kind of hard to predict because you don't know who exactly is playing where. I think that's going to be a, a difficult kind of mix. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Gustavo Bo, and I think the reason for Gustavo Bo is I think you have the personnel to play many different formation, formations, but Bo doesn't necessarily fit. In a lot of places, and I could absolutely see a situation in which he might be playing 60% of the minutes. Even if he's fully healthy, he might be a super sub. Uh, he, he might not come in uh, to the game until late if it's a one-striker formation. If they go to a 4-2-3-1, maybe they go Nacho Hill on the right and Barrero uh, on the left. Maybe maybe they they put Bolma on the right and Barrero on the left, and, and Bo is coming in as a super sub. I, I could see a lot of scenarios in which Gustavo Bo doesn't have as impactful a year uh, um, you know, with the team, even if he's still kind of productive. Is he a 10-goal scorer this year? I wouldn't bet on it. So th that's my guess in terms of uh, who, who would be a bust there. Is Gustavo Bo a DP by the end of this year? 
Yes, he, he's a he's a designated player, and his contract ends at the end of the year. No, but do you do you think like they're going to look on the move from him prior to that contract expiring? Oh well, here's here's any Revs UK's question. Let's let's roll this. And uh, <laughs> if it was your team, would you stick with the three t three designated players we have, or replace one? If you would choose one to replace, who and why? Now the reality of the situation is you probably can't sell Bo for a big fee. Maybe you can let him go on a free transfer to. Um, Argentina, and maybe you you send a little bit of salary his way to get him off the books. Um, I, I I think you might have to pay some sort of cost to to move him. You could also use the off season buyout clause to get rid of him. I don't know if you'd want to do that entirely because he's still a productive player when he's healthy. Like he wasn't bad last year. He was just hurt a lot. Um, but Bo is the answer to to if I could replace one, it would be Bo because I don't really think he fits. Um, if if I was Bruce. Would I get him off the roster? The answer to that is whether or not I have someone up my sleeve. And I don't think the Revs have a designated player up the sleeve. With that all being said, though, if there is an international player who is willing to come over uh, and, and sign with the team and I need a designated player spot, I'm absolutely trying to find a way to to move on from Bo if he's not productive. So I think this is a better question for the summer. Uh, but I, I think Bo is the odd man out. Um, I, I just don't know how you would get him off the roster. I think they've been trying to figure out where he fits ever since he came to the team. Uh, I'm curious, right? Like, how does he fit into this team, too? And I think you're right. Maybe it's that super sub. You know, that's a guy that can score consistent goals for you. Um, yeah, he's the odd man out for me in terms of the DPs. He's older. He's not on the field as much as he should be. Um, and he doesn't really fit. So, but then again, like, who do you replace him with? Do you have that option? There's a lot of questions there. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot of questions, too, with there's a lot of youth on this team. I mean, we mentioned the three homegrown players. You have Damian Rivera. You have Joshua Bulma. You have a lot of overlap in the midfield there. And you have a lot of players to develop. And then you have Latif Blessing, who you just brought in, and you signed him to an extension. So um, a lot of minutes for not a lot of minutes for a lot of players. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And I, I think if you have an attacking fast midfield, unless you're playing Gustavo Bo as a striker, um, you know, or, or you're playing, a, uh, if you're playing a two striker system, maybe you fit him up there. Um, but you know, if you're playing a one striker system, Brioni's your guy and then you got Bobby Wood and then you got Josie Altador. I don't know. Bo seems to be a guy that isn't going to get as many minutes as he has in year pa- years past. So, um, John Pilkin says, who do you think will show the most improvement? Uh, and who do you think will show the most regression? Um, and I think we kind of talked about this with busts and with um, breakouts. Um, although I don't know if, uh, well, I guess most improvement might be a little different from Kessler. I, I like your your Bulma prediction. Uh, I do think he will have a role on this team in some way. So it'll, I, I guess, I don't know if most improvement would count since we, we don't really know where he was from last year. Um, but I'll, I'll give two, two different players too. I think Barrero is going to improve. I think Barrero getting the call up. Um, I, I think he's going to be a little bit more serious if he's fully healthy. I think we're going to see him week in and week out. I think we're going to see a bit of a leap here from uh, Dylan Barrero. In terms of regression, boy, Matt Polster. I mean, I, I, I think Matt Polster didn't have as good a 2022 as he had a 2021. He's getting up there in age. Um, I, I mean, he's not old, old. He's not as old as me. Uh, but uh, I think he took a step back last season, and I, I could see a situation where maybe he takes another step back as well. Um, any other any other nominees, uh, Tanner, not Traeger, uh, in terms of improvement and not, uh, most most improvement and most regression? I think most improvement, I'm going to go Giacomo Veroni. Um, didn't really see a ton of him last year due to injury, but I think 
you know, his ceiling is really, really high. Uh, so most improvement there. Um, in terms of regression, probably not going to be fan favor, but I think Andrew Farrell is going to continue to slide. Um, defensively, I think he could end up getting worked out um, and have Romney end up wearing that role. I, probably a bold take, but he's had a lot of minutes on him. He's played a ton of minutes, most minutes of any player since he came in the league. He made some pretty big mistakes last year, so I just feel like in my head at some point that catches up with you. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Weijun on Discord says, what are your expectations for Barrero and Frioni? I feel like we we covered that. Uh, he also says, how big of an effect will Romney and Blessing have on the two biggest holes of the team, meaning center back uh, and central midfield? I, I think they'll have a very, very big effect. And, and I think they're both slated to be starters. I think there's a lot of competition for those roles. But I think getting them a TAM extension right off the bat, I think Bruce Serena has a lot of faith in those, a lot of faith in them. And I think the success of those season will be on whether or not they upgrade those areas. So um, hopefully it's a, a very positive effect. Um, and, and I think those are good acquisitions. Uh, any, any thoughts there, Tanner? I agree with you completely on both. Paulo also says, what if Jones and Barrero get hurt playing each other on the same play? 2022 was traumatic with the injuries. I'm only now realizing I've been traumatized. And and by the way, I, I do want to say there aren't a lot of depth at left back and right back. So if Jones goes down or if Jones is sold in the summer, um, that's going to be interesting to see what they end up put, doing with that. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very... Very, very concerned uh, if Dewan Jones uh, goes down, and I think it'll be uh, just as traumatizing as uh, 2022. But hopefully, injuries are a, a little bit better uh, this season. Uh, Tanner, not Traeger, anything to add? Can't get any worse in terms of injuries. I mean, it, it could, but most likely you're going to have less injuries this year. I agree with you. I think that's one of the things that they could have addressed this offseason was probably providing more depth at outside back. Um, like I like Ryan Spalding, but I don't know how comfortable I am there. Um, so I really think they could have given that at least a look, right? Because Dewan Jones, Brandon By theoretically, like we all know they're getting looks in Europe. Dewan Jones has openly talked about wanting to go play in Europe at some point. So you would want to have a backup plan there just in case an offer comes that you just can't refuse. So mm-hmm. uh TSB11 on Discord says, what is the backup plan at right back? He also says, will the Revs add a second proper de- uh, defensive midfielder behind Polster? Um, good question. I think the backup plan at right back is Andrew Farrell. Um, there is Ben Ravino. Um, I wasn't too, too impressed. I think that's really a depth player, and I'm not uh, 100% sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets loaned to a USL team um, for, for a season to move him off the supplemental roster. Um, I, I think Andrew Farrell. I think that's where we're we're going with this. Um, any, any thoughts on the lack of depth at right back? And, and do you think they add another defensive midfielder? I think they're all set. Uh, I don't think they're going to go out and get another defensive midfielder. Not right back, like uh, basically the same thing, but they just they need more depth there, um, especially if an injury happens. But like I said, if you want to potentially move on from By or Jones, if an offer comes, you're not going to be able to. Isn't Scott Caldwell still a free agent? <laughs> that. Best closer in MLS. I, we got to get bring Scotty home. Hashtag bring Scotty home. Jesse Marks says, what is up with Josie? Will he be here to start the season? Um, don't know. Don't care. I mean, I don't know. I, I have no expectations for Josie at this point. Maybe that's mean. Um, I don't know. I, I know he's he's missing preseason with uh, a personal injury, uh, but I, I, I think he's, I don't know if he's checked out, but I imagine it's still in the best interest of, of both the Revs and Josie to find him a new team. So 
I, I don't know. It's very weird. I'm I'm kind of confused. It's gotten to this point that it is January 22nd and Josie Altador is still on the revolution. I, I can't imagine he's going to be sitting behind Gustavo Bo uh, and, and Giacomo Vrioni and Bobby Wood and, and maybe Justin Rennix uh, on the striker depth chart. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. And I, I think he is going to be here to start the season. I, I think he would have moved on by now if he didn't. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Tanner? What like I I am super curious about Altidore. That's the biggest question mark that I have actually heading into this year is, you know, how much are the revs paying him? Right, like what's the actual percentage of the salary, and then also what is his role? Because um, this is still a, a big player, marquee name. Is your your forward off the bench still? Is that is going to be his role? It, it feels like it, um, which is very very expensive. So it's just I've always been confused with Altidore why they brought him here in the first place, and that confusion still remains. I I'd imagine some team would want him um, for no money, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like, you know, you just have to kind of accept it. Um, and, and like I said, I don't know what the percentage, like how, what the percentage is that they're actually paying out the door. Uh, Cause you know, it, it couldn't, you know, it, that's well, a big he... question, right? Like if they're actually financially like committed to this player in a, in a significant way, it gets harder to just loan them for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. If they're paying him really nothing, if TFC is still footing the bill for most of the salary, I could absolutely see a situation where he's loaned or they move him elsewhere, kind of like they did at the end last season. Um, but they're they're on the hook for the full max TM salary next season. I can't envision a scenario in which they go through with that. I mean, you have to use the buyout there. That's going to just be, a, be a, a big anchor around the, the, the neck of the revs. And if they're going to compete in 2024, maybe maybe Josie turns it around, but I... I, I don't know. I really do not know because it doesn't seem like they're going to line him up for any minutes. Um, and, and I would have thought if he was gone, he would have been gone a long time ago. Um, it's not like his agent, you know, isn't calling people. It's not like the revs aren't calling people. I, I don't know. I, I, at this point in the preseason, I'm guessing he's going to be here. But um, I, I hope that that salary number is low, because if the revs are paying for half of a max TAM salary on Josie Altador, who is going to fight for Bobby Woods for the third striker uh, minutes. Um, yeah, that's that's the, the third striker spot. That's tough. That's 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 really, really tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I have no expectation. Do you have any expectations for Josie this year? No. If he scores more than one goal, I'd be incredibly surprised. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, over under uh, 0.5 goals for for Josie Alter. Actually, a good Twitter question. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put more. If if you are on Twitter, uh, respond to this poll tomorrow. More goals for the Revs uh, this season. Josie Altenor or Bobby Wood? I think that's a good one. Bobby Wood. You think so? Bobby Wood will score three. Altenor will score one. <laughs> I, so wait, did you? I thought you, I thought you just said you didn't think he was going to score one, or you, or, or did you no, say you, no, you think he's going to score? Altador won't score more than one. Okay, I think he scores one. Okay, when when Josie Altador scores his second goal of the season, everyone tag Tanner, not Traeger, Tanner, and tell him he was wrong. Um, I'd be happy to be wrong. And this is just MLS competition. <laughs> if Josie goes yes. off on League's Cup, you know, but he's playing ninety minutes in League's Cup, that those don't count. Correct. Joshua Davies says, with who we have for players now, is this a team that can compete for MLS Cup? If not, what is needed for us to be? Tanner, what are your thoughts? On paper, yeah. On paper, this is, I think, clearly a team that should be competing for MLS Cup. I think they have one of the best goalkeepers in the league. I think they have, when healthy, probably the best backline in the league. 
across the entire thing, center backs, outside backs. Um, I do like Pulser in, in the midfield. I, I like Latif Blessing. Carlos Seals, only a couple years removed from MVP. Dylan Burrow is a great player. Nacho Heal, uh, Bo. Like, you just look at it. Giacomo Veroni. This, this is a good team on paper. Like, even if you look at the bench, like Altador on the bench, Omar Gonzalez on the bench. On paper, I think it's a very good team. Um, so I, I think theoretically they should be able to compete for an MLS Cup with this roster. That being said, there's a lot of age in some of those players um, that certainly would concern me. But on paper, yeah, absolutely, this roster should compete. And with health. I think yes. what they need is health. And if 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 Barrero and Vrioni, I think we talked about it a few times, if they turn out to be the players that the Revs bought uh, and thought they were getting when they bought them, this is going to be a really good team. Um, if they aren't, and if Carlos Hill goes down, and if Gustavo Bo goes down, and uh, you know, there there's a real potential. If a couple people go down, there's a rough start. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we start to see more of the kids, and maybe this is a development year, uh, and, and maybe. You know, Gustavo Bo has moved on from in the summer and maybe some other players that have one year left or, or six months left on their contract, maybe they're moved on from and, and they start to look towards the future um, because the Revs have some really promising talent coming up in their academy. Um, we have we, we've barely talked about Santiago Suarez, who they, they signed in, as a center back, and he's going to have a first team contract next year. Um, there There is a lot of potential in the long-term window for the revolution. Um, and I, I, I would not be shocked if, you know, if August, if things are going sideways, if they decide to, to start developing, but completely healthy. I, I think this is a team that is going to make the playoffs. And I, I, I do think that they're going to fight for, for MLS cup. Um, it'll be tough. I think there are teams like Toronto that might go off and, and, you know, really prove to, to just blow you away with star power. Philly is a very, very good team as well. Um, New York City FC seems to be taking a few steps back too, but you know, outside of the elite tier in the East, I, I think the Revs, perfectly healthy, are, are going to compete and, and and win some games this year. So, one more question, Tanner, probably the most important: What is one food vendor you wish Gillette Stadium had? I'm a big fan of the Mexican street corn vendor at Audi Field in DC. This question is coming from Derek Terrell. Um, Tanner, uh, we talked about adding you know, to the fan experience at Gillette. And this might be a, a very good way to do it. Um, if you could add a food vendor to Gillette Stadium for Revolution Games, who would it be? It's a great question. I've been thinking about it all day. And I think what's important is local vendors. I think, like, if you ever go to a, um, a URI game, you have the Oyster House there, you have a local brewery that's connected with it. So I think, in my mind, it would be like Trillium or it'd be Treehouse or one of those local breweries um, and to have like a, a pop-up brewery within the stadium. Um, another one, Tasty Burger. Like I know that's two, but it, it's local vendors that have a physical place within the building. Let me, let me tell you a story, Tanner. Let's just picture this. Picture this. The year is 2010. Greg Johnstone is a junior at the Bryant University. I don't know if you guys know this. I went to Bryant University. And he's going to a basketball game to see his one win Bryant University Bulldogs lose by 20 points again to a team that's not very good. And he has a little bit of time before 4 p.m. So where does he go? Where do you go, Tanner, for a pregame meal in Smithfield, Rhode Island? Jay's Deli. Jay's Deli. Jay's Deli, some of the best sandwiches I've ever had. 
And I, I, I went to a Revs game earlier this year. And on the way up, I was originally going to Boston Calling. Then there were some cancellations. And I said, well, the Revs are in town. So let's go watch Omar Gonzalez blow a lead. And before the game, I passed through Smithfield. And I said, I'm going to get a sandwich at Jay's Deli. And let me, it doesn't even have to be the full menu. It could, it could just be the all-star selection. But man, you talk about a perfect pregame meal, Jay's Deli in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Uh, mwah, I would add them. I know that's probably not exactly stadium food, but let me tell you guys something. If you haven't been to Jay's Deli, the next time you go to a Bryant University basketball game, make sure you stop there for your pregame meal. Jay's Deli, uh, supporter of uh, Bryant University Athletics. And by the way, Jay's Deli, if you're listening, if you want to sponsor the podcast, I do accept payment and sandwiches. <laughs> but if you ever got a media meal at a Bryant Bulldog game, you had Jay's Deli. <laughs> yes. Yes. The three Bryant University graduates know exactly what I'm talking about. And everyone else uh, just wants this podcast to end. What's going to be really <laughs> annoying, I, I, said, I said on Twitter, I said, I'm going to think about this for a long time today. And what's going to be annoying is I'm going to post this and immediately someone's going to say, I can't believe you didn't say X. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> damn. You know, someone's going to immediately correct me and tell me I'm wrong. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to someone uh, sending us the, the much better ideas uh, for food vendors. And I'm also, uh, I, I got to get down to Audi Field to check out this Mexican street corn vendor. I mean, I, I got to go to a D.C. United game. <laughs> there's always something like minor league baseball always kind of amazes me. Um, like there's a remember it was a rail riders game and they had a bacon on a stick or something like that. It was it was really good. Anyway, maybe that's how you improve the fan experience. You get better vendors. Br- didn't they get rid of chicken tenders or something? I saw that on Twitter. Bring they back the chicken tenders. Yeah, they don't have chicken tenders. <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh, no, no. They, the, the, the quality of chicken tenders oh. have declined. Yeah, got to have good food, especially if you're charging a lot of money for it. Improve the food at the concessions and, more importantly, the press box. That's what I say. Tanner, not Traeger, this has been a long episode. I apologize to our listeners. You got an hour and a half of uh, Revs talk. I mean, you got some 20-minute debate episodes, so maybe we're just overdue and, and we had to kind of go into a, a long spiel about Revs media and catching up on all the, the news and notes, but we, we appreciate you guys sticking with us. Tanner, not Traeger, anything you want to uh, say? Any final thoughts before we depart here today? No, it's going to be a busy month leading into the season. Uh, and like I said earlier in this podcast, support independent media. Follow, like, retweet, subscribe, anything. It helps. And and leave us a review, please. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. It's all greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, if you ever want to send us a note to uh, improve the podcast, if you have any ideas, if there's anything uh, you want to suggest, you can email us at revolutionrecap at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. Follow our Instagram and Facebook uh, pages, both to search Revolution Recap. Uh, and, of course, you can support our, our podcast by donating to patreon.com slash revolutionrecap. Tanner, where can people find you and the Trifecta Network on social media? They can uh, find me at Tanner Rebello, and then we're at tri- Trifecta RI on Twitter, and then at Trifecta Sports on Facebook. And uh, be sure to follow the Bent Musket on Twitter at the Bent Musket. Um, we don't know what the status of them they, they are right now, but their social media is still active. Uh, so, so and as I said, uh, go to our our Twitter page or go to uh, the Bent Musket's Twitter page uh, to to buy a shirt or, or buy a sweatshirt to to, to help uh, save their site or help their them in their their next endeavors. Uh, and also, be sure to follow our friends at the Rebellion uh, at the Rebellion on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org uh, and, and please learn more about uh, their fundraiser that they have uh, started for the 2023 season. 
Um, also, of course, check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order, GalassoKits.com. I, I highly, highly doubt that Providence City kit is going to be there by the next time we record a podcast. So GalassoKits.com. Uh, go check it out. Revs recap, promo code Revs recap, 15% off your order. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. This was a long one, everyone. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate you listening. It's been a really tough week. It's been a really sad week. A lot has happened. A lot has changed. Um, but, and, and I don't want to get too sentimental on people, but we've been doing this podcast for this will be a sixth season. Um, I've been covering the team since 2014. Tanner, you've been covering the team for five years. How long have you been covering since the team? Since 2016. Oh, wow. That's time flies. So seven, this will be seventh season. Sean's been covering the team since he's been in diapers. Um, there's a lot of good people on revs media and a lot of, uh, a lot of great people that are doing this to, uh, grow the game. And, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough sign off this week. Um, and, and we don't really know what the future is going to look like, but, uh, I, I really appreciate everyone for listening and supporting this podcast. And this has grown to something that I didn't think it would grow to. And, um, it just means a lot to me that you guys are still listening an hour and a half in, uh, even though half this podcast was about res media and the Bryant university Bulldogs. So thank you everyone for listening. And um, until we, we have more revs news uh, and, and we might have some bonus content too. Um, we're we're going to come back with some content soon. And uh, until then, thank you for listening and go revs. <laughs>